Hello, Lions Nation. Welcome to the first ever Mount Holyoke College Athletics Podcast. I have two head coaches with me joining me for the first ever podcast. Uh, first head squash coach at Mount Holyoke College, Aaron Robson. And secondly, our head volleyball coach, Iris Carpio. Uh, coach Robson, we'll start with you. Just how you doing? How are things? Uh, what's, da- what's daily life like for you? Um, we're doing well. Um, everyone's healthy and safe. And um, so I'm grateful for that and um, really enjoying um, whatever human interaction I can have. So this is fun. And um, yeah, just excited to find new ways to engage with um, pe- alums and anyone off campus. And hopefully still finding time to, for Rooney and uh, his, his daily walks, right? Oh, yes, yes. And he, he works his way into most every Zoom call that we have. I have a, uh, I have a six-year-old Yellow Lab, and he does the same exact thing. He finds a way into every single one. Somehow, someway, he'll find a way. <laughs> Coach Carpio, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. This is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just really excited, um, you know, and kind of a, a little bit of background for our listeners. And this was created because you know, March 13th hit and everybody kind of dissipated from Mount Holyoke College with a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, our department as a whole wanted to find a way to remain engaged with our student athletes. You know, we wanted to show a lot of support for our student athletes. We wanted to, you know, provide them with things that would would keep them, you know, with the mindset of being engaged as a student athlete from, you know, September 1 through Memorial Day. Um, So, there was a, a request or there, you know, there was a certain, you know, the student athletes really liked it. So they wanted to see something happen over the summer. So, you know, kind of as I was imagining what those summer newsletters were to look like, um, you know, we thought of a podcast and, and using this platform as another way to um, not only engage our student athletes, but, you know, sell the athletics department at Mount Holyoke College and all the great parts of it to prospective student athletes. And also kind of hope to, to bring the alums back um, and get them involved. And, you know, later on this evening, previewing, previewing our first ever uh, Mount Holyoke Athletics podcast interview, um, we have Michelle Johannes, who is a former volleyball uh, student athlete. She graduated from Mount Holyoke College in 1993 um, and most recently was inducted into the COSIDA, which is the College uh, Sports Information Directors of America, the COSIDA Academic All-America Hall of Fame. Um, she is, you know, an unbelievable athlete, but she does it academically too. Um, and she's being inducted into that Hall of Fame with names like Alex Smith, um, who was a Heisman finalist at the University of Utah uh, for college football. Um, you know, Bruce Furness, who was a 10-time national champion at USC in swimming and diving and represented, you know, the United States of America in the Olympics. Um, and then Stacy Dales, a legendary basketball player at Oklahoma. So to have Michelle and Mount Holyoke College in the, uh, you know, in the same, in the same group as, as those names, it's, it's really impressive for our college, but, and, and for your volleyball program coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my congratulations again to Michelle. Um, I had the honor of meeting Michelle when she was inducted into the Mount Holyoke College Athletics Hall of Fame. And she's just a delightful person, super down to earth. And you can just tell that she has that Mount Holyoke pride that she still carries with her. Um, It's just such a blessing for us as a program to be able to draw from um, her accomplishments and and the way she's impacted not only 
um, our college, but you know, postgraduate life. She's the perfect example of what it means to be a student athlete who goes out into the world and is now carrying those skills and impacting society in a much larger way with the Naval Academy um, as a head researcher. So super stoked and, and just excited to be a part of this moment for her with her. Yeah, and uh, one of the qualifications for selection into that group is, um, you know, continuing to be a leader among your profession. Um, and Michelle is clearly that, as you'll gather from our interview later. Um, now, kind of transitioning back to that, you know, almost two months ago, probably a little over two months ago now, um, the middle of March, spring break's coming up. Early in the week, Amherst College decides to cancel spring seasons and, you know, just kind of the trickle-down effect of, of colleges around New England, you know, don't want to send student-athletes home and then have them come back with the looming pandemic of the coronavirus um, around. Um, so just, you know, both of you being head coaches of programs um, and your seasons had wrapped up at that point. So, you know, fortunately enough for your student-athletes, they didn't have to suffer a canceled season. Um, but just talk about what the, you know, the communication with your student athletes during that time and kind of as they transition back home, um, you know, what were those conversations like? What were some of the questions you were getting and, and how as coaches did you shepherd your student athletes through these, through this difficult time um, of uncertainty? We'll start with Coach Robson. Yeah, so my team really reflects the diversity on campus. Um, so we had all the, every, everyone was kind of impacted in, in very different ways. Um, uh, some student athletes had to figure out, could they return home? Um, was it kind of worth it to go through the quarantining period? What would that look like? So there was a lot of anxiety about that. And they really had to work through that with their families because there was a lot of concern on both ends. Um, one student ended up staying on campus for the entire time. And um, another student did go back to China and was quarantined for two weeks. Um, and um, another student went back to Sri Lanka and uh, unfortunately, um, there was a death in the family soon after that. Um, and then some of our students were in very hard hit areas here in, um, in the Northeast. So um, it was definitely um, just the great unknown initially, whether we were gone for three weeks and coming back. Um, I think there was a lot of uncertainty there. But um, once they all got home, they really had to, you know, quickly pivot to how to get their work done in, in such a different environment. And I'm thinking about one family member in particular. I know she had to help her, her five-year-old brother with his remote learning from his school um, on top of her work, on top of supporting other people in the family. So, um, and, and there were team members that had to deal with illness in the family. So, you know, there was just, um, there was a lot going on. And I just, um, you know, continuously reminded everybody to use their supports on campus, even though we weren't on campus, but they still had access to a great team of um, advisors, academic deans, um, Erica Lem in our department. Um, so, uh, yeah, just really proud of the team for getting through that for such a challenging situation for everybody and for many of our students on campus. 
Yeah, it seems like, you know, from the Mount Holyoke College squash standpoint that there was a wide spectrum of, you know, the types of impacts that they faced, you know, from student athletes having to travel home internationally um, and then dealing with, you know, losses in the family to, you know, people that were, you know, stayed on campus and, and had to kind of deal with not being able to go see their family because I think that that was right. one of the positives that were taken mm -hmm. um, from the situation was that people were able to kind of reconnect with family, um, you know, for at least a week until, until they became a little bit, uh, you know, maybe too much to handle. Yeah, no, I think there was great security in going back home. And so for the student who had to be here, she was isolated from, you know, friends, family, um, you know, just, I think she felt, she felt significantly isolated, but um, in, in the end, you know, that was the safe decision for her to make. Yeah. And uh, Coach Carpio, now we'll transition to you and kind of on the contrary to the squash program, your student athletes are um, more domestic um, with the outside of Sasha being from Canada. But the can you just talk about, you know, your interactions with your student athletes um, and, you know, you both your teams are similar size. Uh, in terms of the number of student athletes. So, you know, just talk about your, the, the communication that you had with your student athletes and, you know, kind of what your mentality was as you shepherded them through this uh, time of uncertainty. Uh, yeah. So um, just like a lot of the athletes from different programs, you know, everyone's case by case scenario on, on how they had to deal with stuff. But, you know, the first action we took was to have a team meeting um, before everyone left campus, um, I knew that the best way for our athletes to get through a crisis is to to focus on the moment and really focus on what they accomplish day to day. So we actually put some kits together for at home workouts because I knew they wouldn't have access um, to gyms and stuff like that. So we really thought ahead of the game, thinking maybe they might not get back, maybe they don't have access to stuff. We had a team meeting, made sure everyone was okay. I happened to have a really bad uh, dust allergy. Um, so I actually had uh, N95 masks. I had like a, a box of 20 mm -hmm. and offered them to my athletes for those who were flying home so they felt safe. Um, really just taking care of each other, making sure that we had all our needs met. You know, we made sure everyone had a place to go. Um, but then once they got off campus, all of my athletes um, got off campus. Mm. Um, once they got off campus and went home, um, you know, like Erin said, they're dealing with things, trying to, to then transition to remote learning that they weren't used to because Mount Holyoke really is about the campus community. And then, you know, they're taken away from that. Um, but one of the things we did was we just continued to have weekly Zoom meetings. Um, and we... It was really the highlight of all of our weeks, including me as a coach who, um, you know, my athletes are my family. And so being able to connect with them and stay connected with them um, while I'm disconnected from my family because my family's down in Florida and I'm still here in Massachusetts. So kind of both my families are away from me. Um, meeting, the, meeting weekly with them was really helpful for them to stay on focus and on task. And as a reminder that, hey, like we're all in this together, but, you know, we can we can help each other get through it and just by maintaining simple contacts and giving us focus i know one of my middles was super happy when i gave her because we were about to start our spring season which is non-traditional so we didn't have any competitions canceled but we were getting geared up to get ready for our fall and they were super excited about it so we were actually allowed to have programming um, during remote learning because we were technically in our spring season 
Um, so I remember some of my players saying how awesome it was that they could check stuff off because they had a, re, you know, a remote workout program um, that they were following. So those little things, the things that we often take for granted, I think have really helped my athletes um, not only get closer and, and us become closer as a family, but just keep them on, on task. And the constant reminder, like, hey, we're athletes. Like, mm-hmm. we, we learn in crisis mode. Like, we adapt in crisis mode. Um, that they were going to be okay and that they had to be um, the strong ones for their families just because they're used to that in, on the court. So um, just having those conversations and staying connected. And we did a bunch of social media challenges, which they really loved and um, helped us connect with each other over and over again. So, mm. so yeah, just maintaining the best to the best of our ability, what we were already doing on campus. Yeah. Ed, coach, two words that, you know, that you stressed a lot in what you just said, and I really appreciate our, you know, about Mount Holyoke College and the culture, our community and family. Um, and I think that that was something that was really demonstrated within our department during this time. Um, you know, there was a lot of obstacles being faced and, you know, not only department wise, but, you know, personal issues and, you know, kind of just everybody navigating how they were going to adjust to the new normality. Um, so f- it was great to hear from both of you um, in, t- in regards to your philosophies and your leadership styles through the pandemic, because, um, you know, Coach Robson, you kind of took the approach of, you know, and it-, it might be something relatable to your life, but you took a motherly approach and, you know, guiding them in the right direction and putting them in, in front of people that are- that could potentially help and putting-, putting them in front of professionals that could, you know, kind of guide them through those situations. and. You know, Coach Carpio, you, you took the approach of engaging with them and staying in contact with them and, you know, getting through this as one, you know, instead of, of and um, instead of you know, 14 in, individuals. So, you know, for you for you two to be able to, to, to do those things and get those messages to your student athletes and express the, the community and family aspect of our department. Um, kudos to you. Like, that's that's awesome. What a what a what a tremendous display of leadership. Um, I know if I were uh, a Mount Holyoke College prospective student athlete, I would love to be on uh, both of your teams. The, uh, so now we're going to transition to Michelle Johannes. Um, you know, as we mentioned, Michelle Johannes, COSIDA Academic All-America Hall of Fame inductee. She, will, she is in the class of 2020, but she's going to be inducted uh, down in Orlando, Florida as part of the COSIDA convention. Uh, June 13th to June 16th, 2021, um, she was going to be inducted in Las Vegas at the 2020 convention, but that was uh, that was um, that was moved virtually uh, because of the <laughs> pandemic. But you know, Vegas with Michelle Johannes uh, could have been fun. <laughs> so yeah, now we'll and, with, and with Lori and with myself, yeah, it would have been a great time. <laughs> yeah, well, it could have been could have been a, a great first trip to Las Vegas for myself. Um, but yeah, now we're going to send it to Michelle Johannes. Very excited to introduce our first ever guest on the Mount Holyoke College Athletics podcast. Um, you know, a, a standout volleyball player for the Mount Holyoke College Lions back in the early 90s. Um, I'm just going to list off a few of the accolades that I pulled to introduce our guests. Um, volleyball standout, class of 1993, 2020 COSIDA Academic All-America Hall of Fame inductee. She's the current 
computational physicist in the material science and Te technology division at the U.S. Naval Research Laboratory. Michelle will get to that later. Her career at Mount Holyoke College, Phi Beta Kappa and Magna Cum Laude graduate, a three-time academic All-America selection, three-time All-Conference honoree, Conference Player of the Year in 1992, your senior season, all New England honors, went to earn a master's degree in physics from UC Davis and a doctorate in computational physics in 2003. Current state, Michelle, how is everything doing for you? How are you? Let us know, give us an update, what life is like for you in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, so I'm not at the Naval Academy, which is in Annapolis. I'm actually at the Naval Research Laboratory, which is in Washington, DC. Uh, so that's where I am. Um, and life is great. Um, I work as a computational physicist now. Um, and luckily, because I'm computational rather than experimental, um, I can work from home during this whole crisis. So in terms of my work life, not too much has changed, although I did used to have some human contact and now I don't. Um, but it's very comfortable for me to work from home. And uh, yeah, so I've continued on in what my major was in uh, at Mount Holyoke, where I was a physics major, um, but my senior thesis was computational. So even back then I had started down this path and I continue that now. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty great life. I get to learn things every day. And that's one reason I went to grad school and, and stayed in science because it was the closest thing I could find to continuing to be a student for the rest of my life. So for, for you in that position, just, you know, I, I say to our listeners, a, a computational physicist in the material science and te technology division at the US Naval Research Laboratory, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so that's a great question. So there's a, there's a couple kinds of physics. People think of physics as maybe astrophysics or, or maybe particle physics, where they slam the particles together at CERN. And we're somewhere in the middle. We're not that big and not that small. We work on materials. And materials are, of course, made up of a collection of atoms. Mm. And so in order to understand materials properties, you have to model how the electrons and the nuclei in those atoms fit together. And why when you take atoms of one type and another type and bring them together, they make a material that does one thing. Whereas if you put them in a different order, they make a material that does another thing. So that's what I do. I do quantum mechanical simulations of materials to try to understand their properties. And then without going into the laboratory and taking all the time and expense and effort and sometimes danger of making new materials, I make them computationally um, and then suggest to my experimental colleagues, here's what you could do. And I do that for a variety of energy related materials. I work on batteries, superconductors, magnetic materials, fuel cells, all the materials that go into those things. Wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I obviously uh, went down more of the journalism path and sports communications and whatnot, but I did love physics. And that is one of the classes I really enjoyed throughout my college experience. Um, wow, I don't hear that very often. Usually I hear, well, you know, I hated physics. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, from talking to people, especially, um, you know, around the college that I went to, it was either chemistry or physics, right? You're either good at chemistry, you're either good at physics, or, you know, mm. as the typical, you know, Mount Holyoke College student athlete, you're good at both. Um, so, you know, I was, I, I was really struggled with chemistry, but, you know, physics, for some reason, the math behind it, I guess that led into, you know, kind of a statistics background. Oh, that's great. Uh, so to speak or whatnot. But 
Um, you know, I kind of wanted to transition into the most recent honor for you, um, which was, you know, not only recognizing you for your prowess on the volleyball court, but also your hard work and dedication to the classroom, which obviously resulted in uh, a fantastic and successful career. Um, you know, the COSIDA, when they select their Hall of Fame inductees for the COSIDA Academic All-America Hall of Fame, they don't just look at what you did on the court in the classroom, but look at people that continue to be leaders in their profession, um, continue to, to affect the people around them in a positive way. Um, so kudos to you on, on that. And, and just, you Thank know, you. what a great honor to be, talk about, tell me what it's like to be associated with the names like Alex Smith, you know, <laughs> University of Utah Heisman finalist, Stacey Dales, the legendary basketball player, at Oklahoma, Bruce Furness, an Olympian, like for Michelle Johannes and Mount Holyoke College to be in that category. Uh, yeah, seeing my name along those side, those names was just uh, humbling. I mean, there's no other word for it. I almost still can't believe that it happened. I mean, it's really an honor to be listed with those people. Um, I think I told my mom, I was like, every one of these people has a Wikipedia page. Like, <laughs> I don't have a Wikipedia page, right? So uh, yeah, it is, um, it is the greatest honor of my life um, to have my name listed beside those people. Even, even if it wasn't those people, this is a huge honor. But when I saw the other three inductees, I was really floored. It's really, um, yeah, it's, it feels astonishingly good. Yeah. Michelle, I just want to know, like, what was the reaction when you got that phone call that said you were inducted into the Cosida Academic All-America Hall of Fame? Well, truth is, I didn't get the phone call. It went straight to voicemail, and there was a voicemail, and someone said, hi, my name is Bill Walton. I almost didn't listen to it because I didn't recognize the number, and even after he said, hi, my name is Bill Walton, there must be a million Bill Waltons out there, right? So I was like, yeah, 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 what are you selling? Air conditioning? I don't know. And then he says, welcome to the 2020 COSIDA um, Academic All-American Hall of Fame, and I was like, whoa. And by that time, I'd forgotten that his name was Bill Walton. So he gets through the whole thing, and uh, he says, uh, at the end, he says, okay, well, give me a call back. So I call back, and it goes to voicemail, his voicemail. So I leave a message, still not realizing this is actually Bill Walton, Bill Walton. Um, then it goes to voicemail, and later I'm on the phone with a friend of mine, and uh, I tried to call her, but I accidentally called him. It wasn't actually a butt dial, but I accidentally called him and then hung up really quickly. And then I'm on the phone with my friend and I, I was waiting for another phone call, chatting with her, and then uh, I get another phone call and I'm like, oh, I think that's my other friend. I'll, I'll call you back later. And it wasn't another friend, it was Bill Walton calling me back because I had accidentally called him and I was sort of annoyed. I was like, what? So I got to be annoyed with Bill Walton. And then he was like, hey, this is Bill Walton. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is the actual Bill Walton. Like that was my first understanding that this wasn't some dude called Bill Walton. This was Bill Walton calling me back because I butt dialed him. So that's um, definitely something I'll always be proud of. <laughs> Bill, Bill Walton is not in fact trying to sell you air conditioners. He's, no, he's not. <laughs> And Michelle, even though this is the first time we've been able to connect virtually, we did correspond via email when that press release was coming out and you, and you provided a quote. 
And the quote ended saying that if I could think of an award that, you know, really encapsulated my life from walking onto campus at Mount Holyoke College to now, this would be that. And I yeah. think that's a, a true testament to you as a, yeah. you know. Well, I've always been very proud to be both an athlete and a scholar. Sure. Um, it really, when I was on the volleyball court, you know, on the bus, I was studying for my physics exam, you know, and in the, when I was doing my physics homework, I was at the same time putting on my clothes to go to volleyball practice and yeah. balancing those two things is not always easy, but it is something that I'm extremely proud of that I was able to be successful in both fields. And that's why this award of all awards is, is like I said, if I had to select an award that represents what I'm most proud of about myself, I think this would absolutely be it. That's great. Uh, and, you know, talking with Coach Carpio and, you know, getting a quote from her, it was, it was really uh, evident that she found your ability to derive yourself from a search for personal greatness as kind of like a feather in your cap. Um, and that's something that she tries to implement into her team on a day-to-day -day basis is kind of that, you know, you wanting to help out everybody else before actually taking care of yourself and more committed to team success rather than individual success. So just yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit about, you know, how that came to be. As so I, point of yeah, so that's a really nice way that she put that, and I think that's all true, but uh, maybe it derives from something a little less philanthropic, which is that I have always loved to win. I mean, I'm really <laughs> driven to win. And when you play on a team, you can't win by yourself. And I've, I've said this every time I get an award or anyone says anything about me, you know, the ball doesn't magically appear up in the air so a left side hitter can hit it. That's not what happens. Somebody digs it up and then a setter sets it. And I was blessed to have uh, Barbara Boo Seeley and Lisa Shlevsky as setters. Just, I mean, that ball just hung up there magically for me and I hit it down. And uh, people see the hitter. It's the most dramatic part of volleyball, but it's a long chain of events to get that ball there. And so if you really want to win, um, you better make sure that you're good at what you do, but that the other people are also good at what they do. And, you know, I mean, that's the essence of a team. Um, so I think that's a little bit where my attitude comes from. Um, also just recognizing that, you know, I'm not the only one there. Um, so yeah, at making the, the whole team better is, I, you know, that's the goal of being on a team. If I wanted to be, uh, you know, a sprinter and just be myself, which is fine, um, you know, I could have done that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally commend you for that that attitude, and I'm sure that has led to a lot of success, not only at Mount Holyoke College, but in the years afterwards. Um, but now I kind of want to take you back, um, and you know, the, being on campus in the, in the during the time that you were on campus, just you know, talk to me about some of your favorite memories, you know, whether it be volleyball related or not. Yeah, wow. So it's really hard to pick. I'll talk a little bit about volleyball ones. So there yeah. is a lot of time spent on the back of vans. Um, you know, Mount Holyoke plays teams that are not right next door, except for Smith. <laughs> so. Um, you, you end up spending a lot of time there and spending time with my teammates on the bus and studying was really nice. I'll tell one story that I really love. So we went to the Seven Sisters tournament, I think it was at Vassar that year, which is an extraordinarily long drive. And we shared a bus with Smith. 
And um, I think we actually beat Smith um, near the end of the tournament. And it was a pretty hard fought game. And so on the way home, there was a complete phase segregation with Smith sitting in the front and Mount Holyoke sitting in the back. And it was tense. Um, luckily, we had Cheryl Daly, who's also a Mount Holyoke Hall of Famer, um, who played volleyball. She was inducted for her sprinting abilities, which were just outstanding. Mm. Um, she also sang in the gospel choir. And she went and sat right between Mount Holyoke and Smith and started singing and then teaching the Smith uh, players the harmony and teaching the Mount Holyoke players the melody. And pretty soon the whole bus was singing together. Um, and it's one of my favorite memories from Mount Holyoke because it really was, there was a kind of a competitive tenseness there and she just diffused it. And all of a sudden we were all singing together. Um, and I, I just, I look back on that with a lot of, I don't, I don't even know what to call the feeling. It feels really good. <laughs> yeah. Like almost like nostalgia or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and just like a typical Mount Holyoke college student athlete, they step up, they take charge and they say, yeah. hey, instead of, you know, suffering through this awkward situation, we're going to fix it. Yeah. We're going to make yeah. it a little better. We're going yeah. to use some, you know, some melodies here to make it a little better. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, kind of, you know, after the, after 1993 May and, you know, you graduate from Mount Holyoke College, you head out to UC Davis and earn not only a master's, but also a doctorate degree. Just kind of uh, tell me a little bit about what went into that decision um, and, and what that journey for you was like. Yeah. So actually when I graduated from Mount Holyoke, a lot of the other women who graduated my year went straight on to graduate school or into industry. And I just wasn't ready. I really just wanted to keep playing volleyball. So I went and coached volleyball at MIT for a couple of years. Um, the salary for a JV volleyball coach at MIT is not sufficient to get you through a year. So I also waitressed, I worked in a weight room, I, I did all sorts of things. Um, and none of it was very satisfying and I really wanted to get back to the classroom. So I went to UC Davis. And that transition was pretty hard. I mean, it hasn't been since high school that I've been in a, a normally gendered environment. So of course, Mount Holyoke is all women and a physics graduate program is virtually all men. Um, and that was, that was tough, not so much because they were all men per se, but because Mount Holyoke gives you this sort of special, um, I don't know what to call it. You feel supported and respected and you always have to earn that. I mean, I was pushed really hard both on the court and in the classroom, but there was always sort of an underlying assumption that I would or could rise to the challenge and, and get where I wanted to go and that I was capable of forging my own path and that I was intelligent and athletic and all of that stuff. So while there was the push, there was also the support. And at grad school, um, that almost completely disappeared. There was almost an underlying assumption that I would fail. Um, and the, the history of graduate school is that about 80% of women don't make it through a physics program. So the assumption is not completely unfounded, but to be treated as if I would soon be dropping out of graduate school was quite a shock for me. Um, and I think had I not gone to Mount Holyoke and had that sort of feeling in the back of my head that I could do it and that I would do it, um, I might not have made it through either. It was extremely valuable for me to have been there um, because it carried me through later when I needed it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a good segue into my next question. You talk a lot about 
how at Mount Holyoke College, you le- you, there was so much support, right? They talk about the family and the community, but it's almost one of those things you do have to earn. You know, they talk about, yeah. you know, a tiger earning its stripes. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly like you say. I mean, there's support, but it's not, it's not support like a, a mother carrying her child. It's more like, you know what, you get out there and do it and we've got your back. It feels more like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's funny because I talked to, um, you know, actually before this interview was, a, you know, we talked to Coach Carpio and Coach Robson, and they were talking a lot about, about how they kind of uh, led their student athletes through the pandemic and the uncertainty and whatnot. And uh, Coach Robson, you know, has a daughter on her squash team and on soccer team and, oh, wow. took, a very, and took a very motherly approach. She took a very much like, hey, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to worry about you a lot. Um, but here's all of the resources that you need in order to be successful. And Coach Carpio, you know, being the young, motivated, she she really took approach of like, hey, we're going to do this together. Like they're all locked arms and they're walking one by one, you know, doing it together. So it was kind of about, it was interesting to yeah, see that is interesting. sides of it. But it yeah. also caters to that family community at Mount Holyoke College. And, you know, the the fact that there are people there, but they want you to be developing your leadership skills and exploring yourself as a leader yes um, rather than just saying hey here is every here have it like yeah i'll do it it all for you and then you're going to graduate and good luck exactly exactly Um, so that and and that that's i have to imagine something that you learned or tailored at mount holyoke college then carried with you professionally absolutely so i remember how I felt at Mount Holyoke and how much that contributed to my success. And I make a concerted effort to replicate that. So I'm the leader of my section at the Naval Research Laboratory. So I'm the section head of the Center for Computational Materials Science. And I spend a lot of time thinking about how to mentor the people that I hire or the people who I am uh, supervising in a way that pushes them but doesn't you know denigrate them like makes them feel like look you gotta you gotta work harder you gotta go do this stuff but i'm here for you and and i'm particularly sensitive to this for the younger women that come to the lab for our summer students uh for all of those people who are early enough in their career that that can be crucial to whether they succeed or fail um and i have absolutely adopted the the support system that I learned um, from being at Mount Holyoke. That's really 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 great. Um, we so we've talked a lot about your path, kind of you know where it started at Mount Holyoke College through your experience as a student athlete, postgraduate, masters, doctors, you know, continuously being uh, accomplished in your field. Now I kind of want to focus on Michelle Johannes as a person in 2020. So I'm going to ask you a few fun questions, not related okay. to volleyball or Mount Holyoke or the Cosida or, you know, being in the same sentences with Olympians or Heisman finalists or, <laughs> um, so, uh, Michelle, just, you know, you know, you, you mentioned that you like to run, um, use other hobbies that you like to do things that are keeping you busy during quarantine. Yeah. So about three years ago, I bought a house, uh, which now seems prescient because I have a, a large yard and I garden. Um, I spend a lot of time outside and in the absence of other people, it's, it's really nice um, to grow plants. So I, my yard is full of flowers 
people walk by with their dogs, they comment on my flowers, and it's really nice for me. Um, I also have food. I have tomatoes and herbs and lettuce and spinach. And yeah, so I really, I spend a lot of time in the yard and I love that. Um, as you mentioned, I run, I've been running. I mean, I'm a, I'm a slow, terrible runner, but I, I keep at it and it, um, yeah, it provides me with some endorphins and Hey, don't worry. You're not the only uh, slow and painful runner on this <laughs> podcast right now. Um, I also read a lot. Uh, this is a habit I had even at Mount Holyoke. Um, I took more than the necessary requirements um, for literature because I love to read. And I felt like if one of my classes forced me to read a book, then I wouldn't have to feel guilty about reading a book instead of doing my homework because they would be the same thing. So I, I still spend a lot of time uh, reading literature. Do you trend more towards fiction or nonfiction? So I do read some nonfiction, but mainly at the urging of other people. I'm very much a fiction person. I really love literature. Yeah. There's, there's something nice about using your imagination. Yeah. To, yeah to, really to, to paint what you think is going on in the story. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about there's something cool about that, you know. You and especially if I mean, you you read so much about you know leadership and coaching and all this stuff, and then sometimes you just want to get down with some Harry Potter, you know, like <laughs> you want to learn. Yeah. A little, you know, why not? You just take your mind off of things. Um, I wanted to ask about you know streaming and tv do you watch a lot of tv do you watch tv shows what are you into what do you like yeah so i do occasionally not just occasionally i would say every now and then i pick up a series and then i'm definitely a binge watcher i don't watch tv <laughs> every night i'll go for weeks or months without watching it and then i'll decide okay i'm gonna watch it i also knit as a hobby um usually not in the summer because uh, it's sort of just too hot uh, but, uh, so once I find a series that I like, I'll sit there and knit and watch my way through the series. So yeah, I definitely do that. Um, all right. Redskins or Ravens? Ooh, Ravens. <laughs> I had to, you know, being from Annapolis, I had to ask. Um, <laughs> and then I, my last question for you, you'd mentioned gardening. Um, do you translate your ingredients to the kitchen? Ah, so um, I do now. So <laughs> I have never been the person who cooked, um, but my husband, who is the main cook in our family, is self-isolating in California. So That's it's up to me to get food into my mouth. And so I have been learning to cook. And um, it turns out it's more fun than I thought it would be. I make mostly simple things, but I really like making eggs. It's super easy. Mm. I throw some eggs in a pan, then I wander out in the garden and I pick some herbs. It turns out almost any herbs taste great in eggs. So throw some cheese and herbs and some eggs and there you go. You have a meal. Uh, my girlfriend and I are really into like cooking shows. So we're watching Top Chef and Chopped. And I just keep saying to her, there's something about applying heat to food that just <laughs> makes things so great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I just, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. I really, really appreciate having you on. Um, oh, it's really been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah listeners are going to love it. Um, you know, everything that I've heard about you leading up to this interview just made me more and more excited. You know, Lori's unbelievable things to say about, you know, your 
you know, leadership and your professionalism and, you know, engagement with, uh, you know, Mount Holyoke College in its current state. And then, you know, to hear Coach Carpio talk about how competitive you are as a person, but also translating into your profession. Um, it was really refreshing and uh, super appreciative of having you on. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It was definitely a pleasure. Thank you so much to Michelle Johannes for joining us on the first ever Mount Holyoke College Athletics podcast. Um, you know, such a great demonstration of the legacy at Mount Holyoke College. Um, and not only the legacy, but the, the, the dynamic student athlete at Mount Holyoke College that can not only be such a successful competitor on the court, but also in the classroom. Um, Coach Carpio, I know that you, you know, stated before that you have interacted with Michelle before. Um, just, you know, recap a, a little bit about, you know, some of the things we heard in the interview, just about the legacy of her and the volleyball program. Uh, yeah, I, you know, when I, when I met Michelle and we had dinner, um, we, we spoke for about 30 minutes before actually walking into the ceremony space. And I just kind of asked her like, Hey, how'd you end up at Mount Holyoke? Like, what was that process like for you? Um, and kind of, you know, I asked her about her experience as a volleyball player and from everything she mentioned from, you know, her brothers and her family, she just seemed like someone who didn't have an agenda of greatness. Like she is just someone who was very present in no matter what she was doing. Um, and, you know, eventually though being present and being as competitive as she was, she's just naturally competitive. You can just tell the way she speaks and, and how she talks about her brothers growing up. You can just tell that she's put herself in a place where not only is she, um, exemplifying greatness but kind of paving the way for others to do the same and kind of follow in her path and i i often feel like uh, folks like her are a great example of you know the the end goal shouldn't be greatness you know we talk about living in the moment all the time and playing in the moment on our volleyball program currently and you know what she's accomplished and then how now she's being recognized is a perfect example of that because Michelle Johannes didn't wake up saying, at, at least the impression I got was that she wasn't waking up every day saying, I'm going to be the greatest at this. She was just going to be present and she was going to be at her best every day. And because of those two things, she ended up being one of the best volleyball players to come through our program um, during a time where probably stats weren't kept as good as they are kept now. So we can't really talk about her stats, but she was, um, you know, all conference, I think three out of four years she played. Um, yeah. So she was, she was, very, she was recognized not only for her athletic ability, um, but then what she did after she graduated and, and how she's carried that forward. And again, I, I go back to the fact that when I talk to my current athletes and we're talking about being the moment, I think of Johannes, you know, I think of Johannes, like how she was just very present, you know, she's just present in what she does and she's just naturally competitive. And if you, if you can combine those two things and put yourself in a good situation, um, you know, you're, you're able to accomplish great things and, and pave, a, pave a path of greatness. And so it's great to be able to have this, you know, this individual who went to Mount Holyoke and is doing the same things that our students are doing um, as an example to always draw from in, in different scenarios. But we're really proud and I'm very honored just to even be a part of the process. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm kind of new to Mount Holyoke, so this just kind of reaffirms my belief that my whole life is a place that works for our student athletes and um, 
it really is about that experience that carries people forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Michelle Johannes, class of 1993, an outstanding guest. And coach, one thing that you brought up that I think, uh, you know, was kind of the feather in Michelle's cap is just, you know, and it's kind of weird to say, but that lack thereof of her agenda for greatness. I, I think that that is a, a true testament of not only the, the Mahoyo College student-athlete, but a Division three student-athlete. And, you know, putting yourself aside for the betterment of your program um, and not, not, try, not driving for individual accomplishments, but rather driving for team accomplishments. Um, and I think that that is something that is a characteristic that Michelle has and that has carried her um, throughout her entire life, um, and which has been quite successful. Um, and that's awesome. I appreciate your insight and, uh, you know, your remarks on Michelle. And I look forward to, um, you know, Lori keeps hyping up the fireworks on top of the contemporary over the Magic Kingdom castle with Michelle Johannes <laughs> after the Coastside Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, just super excited for it. Uh, I, you know, Michelle is great. I'm looking forward to meeting her in person once social distancing is eliminated forever. Um, yeah, I, I just want to add, John, to that yeah. the idea that you have of Disney World. You, it's going to be, what, it's in June, right? Yeah, June, mid-June. You're going to need a, you're gonna need a poncho, <laughs> some sunscreen, and a little fan that spritzes water at you. Well, it's a beautiful experience, but, you know, being from Florida, <laughs> man, that is the hottest time to be at a theme park. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, all right, so this is kind of a, that's a good segue into the, where I want to go with this, uh, this first episode next, and, you know, I kind of want to, we talked a lot about, about COVID-19 and the pandemic before the, the Johannes interview, and, you know, we're going to talk about how you, how you're handling and, you know, the processes with your student athletes throughout the summer months and, you know, transitioning to the 2020-2021 academic year, whatever that may look like. Um, but I want to have a little fun. <laughs> Why not, right? Um, so I'm going to ask you both a few questions. Um, and they're not related to your jobs. They're not related to um, your teams. But they're more related to just uh, your, your lives in general. Because I think it's important that our listeners get to know you both as people um, and not just coaches. So we'll start with uh, Coach Robson. I want to know... Um, your, your favorite vacation spot that I've already been to. I want to know your favorite vacation spot that you've already been to. And I want to know another spot that you aspire to go to one day. Okay. Um, favorite spot that I've been to, um, would have to be Cape Cod, Massachusetts. My family went down there from when I was like four years old on for like one or two weeks every summer extended family grandparents we just rented a cottage so I have a huge amount of nostalgia for that whenever I bring someone down there who hasn't done the Cape Cod thing they don't get it at all but um, for me that like really brings me back to to my big extended family and um, so my kids got to do that when they were younger, so they really love it. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite spot. Um, and I was just talking to my daughter the other day about how I'd really like to see more of Italy. Like um, I've been to Rome, but I'd like to go to Venice and um, Florence. Wow, that's really cool. Where on the where on Cape do you guys usually go? We went to West Dennis. Nice. 
for so many years, um, you know, literally like from when I was four until um, pretty recently, maybe five or 10 years ago, I started doing squash camps in the summer. So that's awesome. Cut out the Cape Cod vacation. Being a Massachusetts native, my life, we also spent a good amount of time in Cape Cod. My father absolutely loves it there. Um, and we go, we go a little bit more. Now, this is confusing for people that don't know Massachusetts well, but Lower Cape is actually <laughs> further up the arm and upper cape so is confusing closer. yeah and upper cape is closer to boston yeah so we kind of go more lower cape kind of in the eastern area a little bit in orleans yeah but you know bayside oceanside cape cod national seashore it's it's all beautiful yeah um all right yeah. coach coach carpio i i i have to do my due diligence here. I told you why I was going to segue into this section. I never told you why. Because I am an avid Disney World fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have, okay, I have a Disney World credit card. My parents are Disney Vacation Club members. So I have been fortunate enough to go to Disney World a few times in my life. And a few of those times have been in June, July, and August. So I <laughs> It's pretty much, you know, and obviously it'll look a little different now in the future, but in the past, Disney World, you know, tends to be packed, um, especially in the summer months when everybody's off school. So, you know, in those June, July, August months, it's basically a fight to get to the shade, shady spots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the parade's at two. Let's go stay in the shade at 1245 so we get a good spot, you know? <laughs> yeah, those, those summer months are usually when the locals go um, yeah. because they get you know, because usually the winter birds go January, February, you know, March, and then there's Pride of Bash with the high schools. Sure. Um, so usually the locals will go during those months, which is why it's packed. It's also cheaper for the locals to go during that month, those months. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, all right. So coach, I know that you probably being the professional that you are, have been thinking of your answer to the question that I asked Aaron, <laughs> but I'm not going to ask you a question that's that way. I am going to, I want to know what you are streaming, Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, HBO Max, like what do you got going on? What are you watching? What is keeping you occupied on the television set? John, I do have to go back and say though, is I, I'm from where people go to vacation. So I'm yeah, from there Florida. And um, you know, when you all talk about Cape Cod and the beaches up here, I haven't had an experience like you two have. Um, sure. I've only done a bike ride down that way, and I don't get it, like Aaron says. But that's because I live where people go vacation, and I'm used to beaches all day, every day. Well, do you, do you, um, do you like the – so do you eat seafood when you're down in Miami? You know what? Um, I'm embarrassed to say as a Cuban-American, I don't like seafood. Oh, come on. I, I don't. I don't. I don't eat seafood. The, I, I've seen more videos now than ever on TikTok of people catching mahi-mahi in Florida. And it, those things are beautiful. And what a beautiful fish. Yeah, fishing is, first of all, fish are overfished in, in Miami. But yeah, everyone owns a boat in Miami. And you're either fishing off a, a yacht or like off a 12-foot little boat. You know, whatever. Right. Some people fish off paddle boards and kayaks. You know, whatever works. Well, as Coach Robson can probably attest to, the seafood on the Cape is unbelievable. Well, another I'm reason chowder. why, yeah, <laughs> another reason why I don't get it, I don't eat seafood. The chowder. Um, but, to answer, but to answer your question on what I'm streaming, um, first of all, I'm an avid 
Kelly Clarkson fan. My athletes know it. And so I'm kind of obsessed with the voice right now. Sure. Um, so most people watch that live, but I can't afford cable in Massachusetts. <laughs> so this um, is the voice. So I stream, I stream it the day after. So technically it's still streaming. Um, and, but, uh, Netflix, um, right now I'm just watching a lot of cooking stuff. Um, sure. I love watching the, the world's uh, worst cook. Um, and because you, you also can relate to like some yeah. of the stuff you're watching. You're like, man, I used to do that. I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. Um, so yeah, I like watching cooking shows, anything that's on there with home improvement. If I had HGTV, I'd watch it all day. Um, but the last show that I streamed, I, I believe was Ozark, which was really good. Wow. I, I binged it in two days. Uh, are you, have you seen Breaking Bad? No, um, I think I saw the first couple episodes and since I, for a long time, was a teacher in the public school education system, I just, <laughs> I couldn't watch it. I, I couldn't imagine that that was something that was really happening, so... I thought of all my chemistry teachers and wondered if that's what they were doing and my colleagues. Yeah. Um, and then I stopped watching it after like episode three. So <laughs> no. All right. So I have a follow-up question. Um, so we'll go coach Robson, Iris, Iris, coach Robson. The, my follow-up question to your voice TV show binging is what is your go-to karaoke song? And if you were to sing your karaoke song in front of the four judges, how many chairs would turn? Man, that's a good one. Um, I would probably say ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low. Nice. No, <laughs> but I'm infamous for ruining all the lyrics. That's a song um, I'm going to play. I, I'm going to play that song as like this podcast ends. It's just going to come in. <laughs> ain't no mountain high enough. <laughs> ain't no river. Yeah, I mean. That's, I, a, that's a good message for our student athletes through the summer, you know. Yeah, none of none of the judges would turn for me, and Kelly Clarkson <laughs> would Kelly Clarkson would stand up and say, "Girl, good good job trying. We you know we thank you for coming to the show." Um, she would give you a hug. Keep working on your music, and I would just go on that show to get a hug from Kelly Clarkson. So, <laughs> but no one no one would turn, and um, probably Blake would make some joke about how I'm Cuban and red and have red hair. So. <laughs> He would just be trying to impress Gwen. Um, <laughs> Coach Robson, last question. What is the last book that you read? The last book that I read was, um, um, it's called Death in the Family. Um, it's a murder mystery that's set on this island up on the, um, up near the Canadian border, sure. uh, St. Lawrence Seaway. Um, so just very light reading and i read it because a neighbor of mine we were out walking during this whole thing and we started sharing books so she she gave me that book and i gave her a couple of books sure um now do you try do you t trend more towards the fiction or uh the non-fiction when when it comes to your reading um i feel like i read a lot of non-fiction because it relates to um you know stuff that i'm interested in with coaching yeah. like um sports uh mental performance topics and team building so i read i'm reading a lot of that and uh 
but I love to just kind of decompress with some good crime fiction. Love that. I love that too. What I'm, I'm a big crime drama junkie on, on TV, so I can, uh, I can definitely sympathize with that. Um, but yeah, now we're going to transition to kind of, uh, you know, talking more about the summer and the summer months and, you know, back to co co collegiate athletics and what that looks like. And, you know, obviously, you know, Coach Robson, we'll start with you. Um, obviously, there's, there's no idea of what 2020, 2021 looks like yet um, from an athletics scheduling standpoint. Um, but just, you know, talk about uh, some of the things that are on your mind for this summer and, uh, you know, focusing on transitioning back to campus, uh, hopefully semi-normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just want to make sure that the team is prepared um, mm -hmm. for, you know, whatever, uh, whatever comes our way. And um, so I'm, I'm always going to be reminding them about who they are as a team. Uh, we had uh, someone on the team was really gifted at motivational speeches, Giselle, and uh, she would always remind the team, like, remember who you are. So that's kind of a phrase that I keep throwing at them because I feel like they picked up a lot of really important skills during our season in terms of, um, you know, staying positive and um, being resilient, being determined, um, they're extraordinary in those areas. Um, and we need it now more than ever. We keep hearing that, you know, there, there's so many things that are now more important than they ever have been. So um, I really like the idea that Iris mentioned, uh, giving the team some things they can check off because I really want them to feel like they're accomplishing something daily that will make us better as a team. And, um, and you mentioned, you know, it really varies individually across the team, like what they will be able to do this summer. But I want them to feel like they're contributing to our collective effort in whatever way they can. And um, I'm really super emphasizing the wellness issues. Yeah. Um, meditating, um, yoga, uh, because I feel like hopefully everybody can participate in that element of our off-season training, which um, our off-season training would be starting June 1. Um, and um, yeah, we wanna, we wanna be as in shape as we possibly can be, but I'm really cognizant of, you know, the, the different circumstances that everyone finds themselves in. And um, so just pushing forward and giving us everything you have and just realizing that that's gonna look a little bit different for, for each individual. So I'm gonna be working individually with them just to kind of support them in the getting started part, but then I'm going to ask the captains to pair people up into um, buddies so they can support and inspire each other. And um, yeah, we're gonna get through it. And I think that challenges can bring out the very best in individuals and teams. So I'm really excited about this opportunity to try to take this on and engage with um, prospective student athletes and, um, you know, just get it done in the very best way. I think we could probably have our best recruiting year because we're thinking outside the box so much about, you know, different ways to engage with people. That's awesome, Coach. It's really good to hear. Keep up the hard work. Uh, we know that Mount Holyoke College Squash, when we resume, we'll be back and, and better than ever. Um, and Coach Carpio, just kind of uh, your thoughts on the summer months. Um, you know, Coach Robson did talk about the checklist. I, I think that's a great 
opportunity for student athletes to, you know, potentially pick up something that or learn a skill that they didn't, you know, necessarily have an interest in learning before. Um, it kind of it opens up the door for experiential learning, um, which I, I do appreciate and admire. So, you know, Coach Carpenter, just talk about your mindset for the next few months with uh, in relation to Yoke VB. Yeah, um, you know, Aaron made some great points, and I think a lot of coaches are doing a lot of similar things, um, you know, to maintain contact and, and just to kind of get their teams going. Um, typically, during the summer, what we do is um, we'll send out programs. One program is for the incoming new players because, you know, typically they haven't gone through the kind of training um, that the returners would be able to do, so they have separate They'll, they'll tend to have separate workouts and, and that will that will stay the same. So, you know, I'm very big on programming and making sure that things are phased properly to reduce injury and, and to make it as inclusive and as interactive as possible. So we'll be doing some of the same stuff. Um, once our incoming first years um, are done with high school officially, um, they'll get their stuff sent out um, and then there'll be a, a packet sent out. Um, to the returners um, and it, it prepares them each with what they're coming in, um, coming into the program with. Um, and for us, you know, falls, we don't know what fall is going to look like yet. And so a lot of, a lot of what summer really is about is preparing for, for every case scenario, which can be really difficult because we don't know if we're going to have a limited season. We don't know if it's just going to be conference play. We happen to be in one of the most competitive conferences for volleyball in Division Three. So, um, so kind of being able to piece all those things together, there'll be a lot of ball handling stuff that I send out. Everyone got sent home with the volleyball, so I know everyone has one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there, there are things that it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of effort on on our end um, as coaching staff to make sure that our kids are getting access to things that are gonna improve help them improve not only athletically and health wise and you know mental mental health is a big uh, mental and emotional health is is a big topic that folks are dealing with right now um but also to be physically ready to compete um you know we might have just one week of preseason we just there's so many unanswered right now so one of the things that i do want to provide my athletes is something that they know no matter what the circumstances in the fall is going to help them progress and so um currently working on that and getting that together um, another thing um, that we're doing because uh, because we're allowed to with with the shift in rules for compliance is staying engaged with them as a coaching staff. Um, you know, every so often during the summer, we've kind of put a, a calendar together um, when we'll have team zooms and when we'll meet with alums and just kind of again staying connected, and making sure um, that folks don't ever feel like they're forgotten um, and that they have the support they need. Um, so yeah, we're, and then on the other end of that, you know, we're now, we're not only trying to maintain our programs and make sure that everyone stays healthy and they, and they come back ready to go no matter what the scenario is, but we're also, uh, like Aaron mentioned, you know, recruiting, actively recruiting and our athletes are a big part of, of our recruiting. Um, so we're working on some videos um, with them interviewing themselves um, and recording themselves talking about our programs um, where recruits normally come on campus during the summer, you know, they're not allowed to do that right now. So we're just kind of trying to create um, some videos where I can send out and, 
you know, some conversations with our athletes um, where our recruits can be engaged with us as well. So um, there's a lot on the table and hopefully um, things will get, get, get rolling again real soon, but we just don't know. Um, but it's, it's going to be a balance between recruiting, having our current student athletes connected with our, our 2021 recruits, and also preparing them for any case scenario in the fall. So um, that's kind of what, where we're at right now and just doing it day by day. Well, uh, you know, based on both of your responses, there's obviously been a lot of thought and work that has gone into your plans. Um, just like I told Coach Robson, I have no doubts that, you know, when we do see Yoke VB back on that court again, um, back and better than ever. I, you know, witnessing and, and being able to work with both of your programs this year, loaded with young talent, uh, destined for success in the future. It's been one heck of a ride. Um, in my first year at Mount Holyoke College, uh, and certainly been fun to watch. So kudos to both of you and your hard work for our department, for our college, for your student athletes. Um, it's definitely unmatched. I think that, you know, Coach Robson said it and, and Coach Carpio followed up, but, you know, thinking outside the box when it comes to, you know, selling your programs and the school to prospective student athletes. I think that that has been something that um, is is the Mount Holyoke College way, you know, and, and thinking of creative creative ways to do things and get things done. So, you know, kudos to you and, and your hard work. Um, but yeah, that officially wraps up our first ever Mount Holyoke College Athletics podcast. Um, just want to say thank you to both of you again for taking the time um, to answer a few questions, uh, talk a little bit about how we, we as a department have handled this pandemic, um, and you as as your as your head coaches of of uh, you know, two of our 14 varsity programs. So um, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, I just want to, you know, remind listeners that they can, you know, find this podcast on our social media pages. Um, so on Instagram, MHC underscore athletics. Um, and on Twitter and Facebook, we're at MHC Lions. Um, and there's also a Mount Holyoke College Athletics TikTok. Uh, MHC underscore athletics. That's been pretty fun uh, to, to deal with coach. Coach Robson's daughter, Emma, who is a dual sport athlete on our soccer and squash team, uh, was highlighted in the most recent TikTok. It was a, a, a pose challenge. Um, and the, the, for me, it posed the challenge of trying to get eight videos from student athletes going through finals, posting it, putting it together. Um, but, you know, certainly a lot of fun and great to hear from some of our student athletes and see their smiles. Um, so, yeah, just to wrap up, once again, thank you very much. Uh, great having you two on. Thanks, John. Uh, Congrats on your first year. You did an John, amazing job this year. Yeah, John, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump on what Aaron is saying. You've done a terrific job. Um, I want to personally say, with volleyball, you've, you've elevated our program in ways that it wasn't elevated in the, in the past. Um, and we really appreciate it. The volleyball players really appreciate it. And you've made recruiting a lot easier because we have access to tools that we didn't have before. So we really appreciate you putting this together um, and other uh, posts that you, and the newsletter, you're just doing an awesome job, man. <laughs> Great job on your first year. Well, uh, thank you for your kind words and uh, you know, the student athletes are what keeps me going. You know, they're just so fun, uh, so so uh, so great to be around, and um, it's it's honestly a, a great community and family that I'm happy to be a part of. Um, so thank, thank you both. Can't uh, wait to beat you in ping pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see about that.
We'll see about that. You know, when we when we get back into person, hopefully, uh, you know, Coach Carpio and I can team up and take the department down on the table tennis table. So that's right. Awesome. Great. Everybody, uh, you know, have a great day. And uh, once again, thank you very much. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. If you need me, call.